There's a lot of verses that the Lord's put on my heart and mind this week. And one of them that I just, I think I'll reference today, but I really want to now start with is the 63rd Psalm. The 63rd is verses uh, 1 through 3, and you'll be familiar with this. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Is that true for you? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I think that is very central to where we're going this morning. That God is center of our lives. I, I, I mentioned this briefly last week in, in prayer, that Jesus is to be our chief affection, highest above all. And I think that's where the Lord's taking us, to draw our minds to this reality, our chief affection. So just hold that in there. The verse that we have planned this morning, I have planned this morning to start at is Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You'll, you'll be familiar with this. If you have your Bible, you can open up to it. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven, who is in heaven. This is a picture of you and I. This is a picture of you and I. This is who we are. We are these unavoidable landmarks on the landscape of darkness that is our world. That's who we are. And I want you to picture this. Jesus, he's, uh, he's preaching this, and this is a part of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Best, greatest sermon ever preached. Sermon on the Mount. And it's near the Sea of Galilee. You can go there today, and there is a place called Mount of Beatitudes. This is where it's believed that Jesus gave this sermon. And from there, you can kind of imagine this. Picture this. Jesus, he goes through these Beatitudes, and then right before this, this is where he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he goes to say, you are the light of the world. And then I want you to imagine this. He's on, on the sea, and now this sea... The Sea of Galilee, I, I looked at it. It reminded me a lot of Lake Tahoe because of its shape. It's about, um, uh, it's about the th a third the size of Lake Tahoe, though, in total, um, like square miles. It's about a third. So you can imagine it's easier to see across it, and you can see across Lake Tahoe very easily. And at night, especially, you can see the buildings. If you're on North Shore, you can see South Shore. And you see the lights and all that stuff. But where Jesus is standing, there, there would have been at that time a city on a hill. And that city uh, is the, the Roman city of Hippos. And you could see from where he's standing that city. And I just imagine him, him 
saying these things. You are a light of the hill. A, 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 you are the light of the world, a city on a hill, and pointing over to it. Yeah. As this reference of, it's unmissable. You always know it's there. You see it, especially at night when it's all glowing, full of life. And he points to this as a reference for you and I. This is, this is who we are. This is what Jesus has made us to be in him. John says that uh, Jesus is the true light who comes to give light to us all. This is in John 1. And then Jesus in John 8 declares himself light. John 8, 12. He says this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His life given to you. And so you radiate with him. This is who we are, who we are in him. And so this is the word for today, that we are to be the light of the world. We are to be this city set on a hill by setting our affections on Jesus, falling in love with him day by day by day. This is where I believe we're being pushed. The Lord is guiding us. And that we don't forget the source of this light. We don't neglect the source. Understanding the light in us is Jesus, right? It's Jesus. It's not me. It's Jesus. And from this, good works are produced. And I think it's important all the time. I don't know. It's been for the past couple years. The Lord's really put this thought in my head of getting the order correct. Getting the order correct. We press into the light. The light fills us. And then from that source, good works are produced. Sometimes we get it backwards. We think we go do the good works, and then we're filled with the light. And we assume that that light is the, the good feeling inside of us because we did those good things. But that's, it's backwards. And so we don't want to forget the source of who, of, uh, who this is, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little stuffed up. A little stuffed up. I said hi to any of you guys today. I tried to keep my distance. Then you got Alfonso over there. He doesn't care. He's like, get on over here. Get over here. And I love that. I love it so much. So we're going to break this down into three or four parts, this verse. And it starts with, you are. You are. And it's just two words, but they're powerful words. Because this is who we are in Christ. This, this is telling us that what comes after these words is a statement of identity, but is also factually true about you. It's a statement of identity about you, and it's factually true. It's factually true because it's coming from the source of truth, that is, that is Jesus. And there's something we have to understand about identity. It, it cannot be taken away. Your identity cannot be taken away. Roles can change. Positions can change. How you feel about yourself from day to day will change. Your physical health will change, but your identity will not change. You may be engaged in something that is not your identity. You may be feeling a certain way that is not your identity because your identity does not change. This is sometimes the most powerful truth we can share with somebody. They come up, they say, I'm feeling worthless. I'm feeling unloved. I, I am not accepted. And we say, no, you are loved. This is who you are. You are loved. And you are known by a loving God. Amen? Amen. 
And so this is, this is our identity. It, roles can change, but your identity, it just, it does not change. Jesus goes, and, and in John, we see Jesus make these I am statements about himself. I am. And these statements are huge, and they're saying a lot of things, especially to the audience of the day. But what corresponds with those I am statements is he says, you are statements, because in him, we are. In him, we are. And so we have these you are statements. And it's great because as sure as he is who he is, we are who we are because we're in him. Right? You following me? I feel like I'm saying a lot of words, jumping around these different places. But he is sure, and so we are found sure in him. Our security in him and who we are. And so he starts with this you are statement. You are and he does this, I believe, for two reasons. Oh, there could be more reasons, but there's two, two uh, kind of overarching reasons, I would say, that this is, this is said. And one, it is, to, it is for our knowledge, and two, it is for our encouragement. It's for our knowledge and our encouragement so that we can know this to be true and then walk and engage in that truth, right? Sometimes we are limited to engaging in what is true just because we don't know it. That, that's simple. If you had no idea a car existed, you'd probably walk everywhere, You're still on a horse, right? The knowledge that a car exists means now, oh, I'm going to use that mode of transportation. A silly analogy, but you get the point. Yeah. He brings this to our knowledge so that we can take it as our own and begin walking in this truth. I am a son, so I act as a son of the Most High God. I am a citizen, and so I follow the laws, the precepts, the commands of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? This is who I am. And I am made alive. I'm not dead. I am light. I am light. So regardless about, of, of what I feel, regardless of what being said about me, I know who I am. Because Jesus said, you are. And so I engage in that truth and I take it as mine. And then he says it for our knowledge, but also our encouragement that this is the fact of your life and not the lies that are, you are being led to believe by outside sources, by culture, or even maybe by your own mind. Be encouraged that this is who you are. And then in this encouragement, joy replaces despair. Confidence replaces doubt. And, and hope replaces hopelessness. So it's just two words, you are, but they're very powerful. Because now what we know is that what's about to be said is for my knowledge that I could walk in it and for my encouragement that I could be uplifted. This is a life-giving statement about us. This is a life-giving statement about who we are. It is provided to uplift us and to free us and to set a course on life. And so all that to say... Let's pay attention to what Jesus is about to say to us. Let's hone in on this because it's important. It's important. And what he says about us is this. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. And the way that he depicts this is we can summarize these two statements by saying you are designed to stand out. You are designed to stand out. By nature, you're going to stand out. Light will always stand out in darkness, and our world is dark. It'll always stand out in darkness, and it's always dark. But the reason why we stand out isn't because Stephen is great. 
And I'm always going to keep making this little, uh, I don't asterisk next to these statements. It's because Jesus. Jesus. Amen? Jesus. Jesus. When he says, you are light, like a city on a hill, this is true because of Jesus. This is true because of Jesus. He gives you life in a world infected with death. The picture that comes to mind is, you ever see those pictures, or maybe you can bring it to mind now, where it's a, it's, a, it's a landscape, a flowery landscape, or a thorny landscape. Everything's dead, but you have this one like living rose in the middle. There's thousands of objects in that picture, but everything focuses in on the live one, right? And this is us. This is us. And where does that life come from? It comes from Jesus. We stand up, he's given us life in this, and then he gives you hope in a world that is hopeless, where hopelessness abounds. It says that the, in the world, people sit in darkness. Why, why do we sit in darkness when we're, when we're in the world? Well, what else are you going to do? You, you don't know truth. You don't know which direction to go. You, you don't know what's up and down. So I'm hopeless without Jesus. But now with Jesus, I'm alive and I've been made to stand out. What separates you from the world, which is Jesus, what separates you from the world is actually the joy of the world. It is actually the joy of the world. Jesus is the joy of the world, right? In the Christmas song, it says, joy to the world. Jesus is the joy on the world. And this is who we're being made to be because Jesus is in us. Think about a city on a hill to the traveler in ancient days. City on a hill to a traveler. You're traveling, you see, the, you see the city. If you're a refugee who needs refuge, that city is joy to you. If you're wounded and you need healing, that city is joy to you because you know there's a doctor in there, right? If you're lonely and isolated, needy communi community, that city is joy to you, amen? That city is joy to you. If you're lost or wandering and need a waypoint, that city is joy to you. And Jesus says, this is who you are. I am in you, and I am the joy of the world. They may not recognize it as that. They may not identify it as that. But the world is longing and searching for me. And you are a representative of me, a city on a hill. This goes to say that Jesus is attractive. You know that? Jesus is attractive. Now, Scripture says he's just in the flesh, a normal-looking guy, right? Well, you go beyond just his physical attributes, and he is attractive. He is attractive. Um, man, so many jokes right there I could make, but I'm not going to. Yes, yes. Culture is always pushing the opposite narrative that Jesus is not attractive. Culture is always pushing the opposite narrative, and sometimes we actually start to believe that narrative when we start to, to say, well, in our own minds, Jesus is a hard pill to swallow, you know? So I got to present him right. Oh, no, Jesus, no, Jesus is the joy to the world. And we, and we start saying, well, he's a hard sell, you know? So I got to make sure that I come with this strategy of how I'm going to present Jesus. Jesus is selling, selling himself because he's attractive. He's that, he's that item in the store that just sells itself. And he's calling people to himself. This is what scripture says. The world is actually longing for him. So we shouldn't present Jesus like an unattractive necessity that we have to dress up, but rather as the unmatched treasure that he is. 
Did you hear that? He is not an unattractive necessity that we have to dress up, but rather he is an unmatched treasure. You know how I know he's an unmatched treasure? Because it says that every heart is looking for Jesus. Every heart. Every soul is longing for Jesus. It says, as I'm thirsting for, for water, spiritually, you're looking for water. You're looking for nourishment. The world may not know it, but it's found in Jesus. They're searching everywhere else for it. You want to know why he's the unmatched treasure? Because it's only found in him. It's just like X marks the spot. It's the only place you're going to find the treasure that you're looking for. And this is who Jesus is. Have you ever tried to present Jesus like a hard pill to swallow? I have. He's not. He's not. That's why he says, you're the light of the world, a city on the hill. His, the source is Jesus. So he's, what he's really saying is, I am this beaming light that brings joy to the world. So get this correct in our hearts and minds. Now, culture is always pushing that Jesus is unattractive, but this narrative always falls apart when Jesus is encountered, right? The narrative that Jesus is unattractive always falls apart when Jesus is actually encountered. Now, all the time, I run into this. I have an opportunity to speak with somebody about Jesus. I have an opportunity to be a shining light in their life. And I see this happening. A wrestling starts to happen in their heart and mind. And the wrestling is they just encountered Jesus, and so they know what the truth is, but they're wrestling with their preconceived notions of who Jesus is, what culture has told them, or they're wrestling with past experiences where Jesus has been misrepresented. Have you guys ever experienced this? Where you're presenting the gospel of somebody and it's like they just start wrestling. And that's great. That's great. Because it means that the cogs are turning that eventually lead to a person's salvation. This is good news. This is good news. Standing out means being different. This is kind of obvious. You're going to sound different. You're going to talk different. You're going to walk different. Your perspectives will be different. The way you communicate these differences will be different. Not combative, but in fact, compassionate. Usually people don't communicate differences compassionately. But this is where we're coming from. Because we approach somebody that Jesus loves dearly, and it's like his compassion for that person comes over us. We're different. Standing out will cost you. This might be why when Jesus, he, in Matthew 5, he makes these statements in verse 14, 15, and 16 about us being light. And in, 13, uh, in verse 13, he's talking about um, us being the salt of the, of the world. But right before that, he says this, Matthew 5, 11, He says, blessed are you when, you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so they, persecute, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I, I don't want to say that we're going through persecution, because around the world there are believers that know the definition of persecution. And in fact, Jesus is, when he's giving the sermon, he's looking at his disciples knowing very well the gruesome lives that they're going to live. 
all of the things that they're going to have to endure leading up to their final gruesome deaths, right? So I, I, don't, I don't want to say that lightly as if we're enduring the same kind of persecution that his audience here is. But it, it will cost you. It may cost friendships in some form. Um, it may co- it's definitely going to cost the way people think about you, especially in our culture, right? Um, being labeled bigoted and um, all sorts of other things that we would consider to be offensive. But Jesus says, don't be offended by this. Don't be offended by this. Because this is who I've made you to be. You're going to be different. In fact, this is just a confirmation of your difference. Basically, what he's saying, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. How many of you guys have found that it's worth it? Yeah. Yeah. It is worth it. This is what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 63. Your love is better than life. There's nothing here that I would take over your love. There's nothing here that I would trade your love for. So he says, you are the light of the world like a city set on a hill. He says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. And I'm going to, and you'll see what I mean by this, but... I'm going to say, press into what is impressive. Press into what is impressive. This will make sense in a second. Imagine this. If someone has a gift for something, right? Someone has a gift for something. We would say, press into that. Keep, keep doing that, right? Especially you're talking to a, to a young person. You're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. First thing, what do, you, what do you like? What do you enjoy? Are, is there any skills that you kind of naturally lean to? We say, press into that. What, what's impressive about you? Press, press into that. Now, Jesus is what's impressive about us, right? So we press into that. When he's saying, let your light shine, he's saying, continue just to focus on what is impressive in your life, which is Jesus, staying connected to the source of your light. Let your light shine is like saying, don't disconnect. Don't disconnect. But instead, stay connected. Stay connected. Remember, order is important here. Because a lot of times we want to say, do the good works so you can shine. But instead, no, it's not like that. Stay connected so you can shine. And that good, those good works come from that connection to Jesus. So we stay connected to what's impressive about us, which is Jesus. The city on a hill, we, you, know, you can confuse this for saying, oh, I'm this mighty city on a hill. right? Everyone looks to me. And I'm this great masterpiece for everyone to behold. But that's not how it goes. Because we know this. It's a little different in our minds now in our modern culture, but especially in ancient times, it'd be this way, is that the glory of a city is always to its king, right? The glory of a city is always to its king. Someone looks at a city and says, that's a great city. Where's the glory go? The king. Someone says, that's a great city. Who do the people give the glory to? Their king. It's because of him. And we know the inverse is true, too. If they came across a ruined city, oh, that king. No, not a good one. The glory of a city is always to its king. And in the same way, we owe whatever is impressive about us to Christ our king and our Lord. You like that I'm kind? That's Jesus. You like that I'm compassionate? That's Jesus. You like that I make funny jokes? That's Jesus. I don't know if that's Jesus. I'm going to say that's Jesus. He created me, right? That's Jesus. He is what's impressive. 
So continue pressing into what is impressive. Press into what is impressive. He is the light of my life. I press into his life, I get light. And this is the biggest relief of my life. Because I don't have to worry about impressing anybody on my own merit. I just let Jesus shine. I focus in on him and he does the work. I focus in on him and he walks before me. In fact, this has been the, the, the continual word that the Lord has, has given me when it comes to uh, connecting with people. Especially when it comes to connecting with other youth pastors and maybe other leaders in the, in the city. I don't have anything to show for. I don't have any degrees. I don't have any uh, fanciness to, to, to show anyone. People think I'm odd and weird at times, you know. Um, this tall, slender guy that just makes wacky jokes sometimes takes them too far. Uh, you know, and Jesus just, the Lord pressed into me one day. He said, hey, I don't want you to hold anything out in front of you. I'll walk before you. You just focus on me. And my favor will go before you. It's like, it's like uh, I'm reading through, through Judges right now. And in Judges, time and time again, he says, I've given them into your hand. Go. Just go. I, I have gone before you. And it's in this same way. The Lord's just saying, focus in on me. Turn your heart to me. And I'll go before you. Turn your heart to Jesus. Focus in on him. And the light shines. The good works flow. The good works flow. So we stay connected to Jesus by setting our chief affections on him, falling in love with him more and more day by day in pursuit of what Jesus is in pursuit of, aligning myself what, with, with where Jesus is going and what his directives are. It, doesn't, it may not mean reading my Bible for an hour one day and then reading my Bible for two hours the next day and so on and so forth. What it does mean is falling in love with Jesus and my affection set on him, and coming to the point where my soul cries out, Lord, your love is better than life. And so I'm focused in on him. Amen? Amen. This is what it is to let our light shine. It's from here that good works flow, because those that love Jesus obey Jesus. Those that love Jesus follow Jesus. Those that love Jesus put Jesus on display. It could be said like this, that shining people shine as a result of their love for Jesus. Shining people shine as a result of their connection to the light of life. Amen? John says that Jesus comes into the world and he is the light of men. So we stay connected to him. It's not me, it's not what I can do, it's not what I can conceive of, but it's Jesus. And so we have to get this order correct. We have to get this order correct. Shining people are the ones who find that God's steadfast love is better than life. They, found, they are found pressing into the impressiveness of God. And this is the way that I want to be found every day. This is, the day that, this is how I want to be found when Jesus comes back pressing into his impressiveness and shining as a result of that. Amen? Amen. We don't pursue what the world would deem impressive. I don't, I don't pursue uh, physical appearance beyond health. I, I, I don't pursue material success. This is, these are the things the world sees as impressive. Jesus isn't impressed by these things. 
I don't, I don't uh, pursue intelligence for the sake of one-upping others. This is all foolishness. I don't do these things. But instead, as light, what I do is I develop a deep love for Jesus, and that has a shining brighter than the sun on a hot summer day. And that's hot, and that's bright, and that's noticeable. When we fall in love with Jesus, we align ourselves with his will, and then... By his power, good deeds flow and fruit is produced. And he says, he says, shine so that everyone can see your good works. Who, who is, who's going to see your good works? Well, it's going to be the people that are the direct recipients of this fruit, right? We're in this room lit up by these, by these lights. Who is enjoying these lights? It's us who are, who are near to it, right? Who enjoys the fruit of, well, I guess today this doesn't apply, but you enjoy the fruit of a tree if you're in the orchard nearest to pick it, right? This is us. Good works are produced as we stay connected to the source of our life and light. And all those around will see. When you look at those in Scripture who stood out, they have one thing in common. They love God deeply and more than anything. You look at David. You look at Daniel. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They just would not stop pursuing Jesus. They would not stop pursuing the love found in God himself. Why, why do these people stand out? They're in love with God. They refuse to stop. Let's say it like this. We want to live a life worth investigating. Live a life worth investigating. 1 Peter 3.15, it says this. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's what we've been talking about, right? Putting Jesus as the center. He is, he is our focus. We're in pursuit of him, so we do this. And... If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. People's curiosity may lead them to question, and your answer is your source. Your answer is your source. It is Jesus. Where's your hope come from? Why do you have this hope? Well, it's Jesus. Let me explain this to you. It is Jesus. And, and, and this readiness, I believe, this readiness to explain your hope I believe comes from the fact that you're pursuing that hope daily. You're in it daily, saying, be ready to explain it. I don't think he's saying, be ready to argue someone to the faith. I think he's saying, be ready by living a life with Christ as your Lord, with him at the center, and someone comes, why, why do you have this hope? Why are you different? Why do you seem to stand out? Why are you why are you reacting differently to what the world is throwing at you? And you can say, well, it's because of Jesus. And why is my answer, answer instantaneous? Because I did it today and I'm doing it right now. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When you're living out your hope, living out your hope, falling in love with him more and more, to be impressed with and in awe of, the same thing people are coming and questioning you about, they just don't realize it. They see Jesus, they just don't know it. They think they're seeing you, so they're questioning you, but what they're really seeing is Jesus. They're really seeing is Jesus. 
The city on the hill is only noticed when it's lit up full of life and activity, right? That same city off uh, the shore of uh, the Sea of Galilee that Jesus may have been referring to, that city of Hippos, that city, you cannot go to the Sea of Galilee and point it out today because it's in ruin. You would not notice it. You wouldn't know where to point. There's death there. There's not life. When Jesus says shine bright and people will see your good works, what he's saying is stay connected to me. Fall in love with me. And people will notice that your life is different because I make you different. Amen? Amen? Amen. People will ask about our hope and our foundation. We sing this song today, Firm Foundations. Let me ask you guys, does this sound familiar, this bridge? I I bet it does, because I bet it's every one of our testimonies. Rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. I'm safe with you, and I'm going to make it through. That sounds like my testimony, right? And so someone comes to you, and they say, wind is blowing. And, And we're in a storm right now, right, in and out of these storms. And when a storm comes, what do you expect? You expect trees to fall. You expect, expect roof shingles to lift up. You're looking for the leak in the home, right? And, G- and people are puzzled because they're expecting this, and then they stumble upon your life, and the storm rolled by, and you're untouched. And, and people are asking why, and you say, well, I'm, I made it through because I'm standing strong on him. Amen? Yeah. He is what's different about us. I love this song. It plays so well into where I believe the Lord's leading us. We press into him. And I think this is so impactful. Multiple times this week, I I sang this song and I could not sing it without coming to tears. And I think part of the reason is, is because I know the inverse of this. Rain came, wind blew, I wasn't found on him, and it was chaos, right? And if you're going through chaos, it may be because of that right there. My life not built on him. I'm not connected to my firm foundation. But now I know this to be true time and time again. When the storms of life come, I need not worry. I don't worry. I, the only people that went into their house last night and worried were the ones who were like, ah, oh, my foundation's a little shaky, my house is a little old, right? But if your house is well-built and strong currently, you don't go in and worry about the storm, right? You're happy to be there. I'm safe. I'm comforted. And so our lives stand out because we're connected to what everyone longs to be connected to. You understand, everybody wants to be found secure in the storm, and culture is pushing them to all these different answers. No one wants to be tossed around by the storms of life. You're not going to find a single person who wants to be tossed around by the storms of life. Everyone is trying to escape the storm. Everyone. And culture is saying, it's not Jesus, he's unattractive. Here, let me give you this. Oh, that didn't work out? Well, you got to keep searching, right? Maybe the answer's in you. No? Oh, maybe it's in them. No? Oh, maybe you should try this method. Oh, maybe you should read this book instead. But what really is being, what the real answer is, no, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Everybody wants to be found safe when the storm comes rolling through. I don't want us to get this image wrong at all, so I'm going to say it again. 
It's not me. That's impressive. We're not the attraction. We are not the prize. We are not to be praised, but it is Jesus. And it is a wonderful thing that I get to reap the benefits of his life. Amen? Amen? And so I am glad in it. I don't go around with this kind of, you know, uh, soul and look all the time. No, I am glad. I am happy. I am hopeful because Jesus, and and I'm continuing to point to him. And when we seek the glory for ourselves, well, that's when we become more akin to the Tower of Babel, which stands for self, right? But when we point all the glory to him, we become the city on the hill. And the city, the glory of a city is to its king. Our light shines and give, gives testimony to God's greatness and all are led to his glory. And this has been God's design from the very beginning, that his people, you and I, would stand out as beacons to the world that point to him. Amen? Amen. Uh, Kenzie Noel, you guys can jump up. This is the command to believers. This is what we're taking away this morning, that we are light and that we are to shine bright. We are cities on a hill that stand as good news to the world, as a testament to good news to the world. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to pull back from. Jesus is the treasure, and he's in us, and we're putting him on a full display, right? No one hides the, hides the treasure. No, they want everyone to see. Look at this great thing. There is Jesus. I have, I have found him, or he has found me. And shining bright comes from falling in love with him daily, not forgetting the source. The light in you is Jesus, the good works produced from a love of Jesus. And this is the invitation to all, to come enjoy the true life in Jesus with him as your source and firm foundation. Shine bright in this dark world and know the warmth of his hope. You no longer need to walk in darkness, but instead, as it's put in John, enjoy the light of his life. Amen? Amen. This is good. I want us, uh, we're going to worship again, but as we sing this firm foundations song, belted as as, as the reality of our life, which is true because Jesus has come onto the scene. I'm secure in him. There's nothing else that I have found that actually survives and weathers the storm. And I am grateful for that. Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for who you've made us to be. And we ask, Father, that you lead us into this truth. That we take this knowledge and be encouraged by it and walk as shining light, city on a hill that is a beacon to you, your love and your greatness. Father, we thank you, we praise you. We ask, Lord, that you allow us to worship you well. Come upon us as we worship you as a body. Thank you for your presence this morning. Amen.